Hey guys, Hunter here. Wanted to ask you a quick favor. We're really trying to grow the podcast and podcasts typically grow by word of mouth. So if you got a friend or family member who might be, might be interested in this podcast, please shoot them a link so they can hear it and hear the good word of health and fitness. Now let's get to the show. And we're back with the Coyote Fitness Podcast. Hunter here coming to you in Madison with Caleb. And we are going to talk about uh, conversations we have with uh, potential new members. Uh, this can be conversations that we have uh, with people who are wanting to join the gym or conversations we are having with people who want to do nutrition coaching. And also conversations we have with current members who want to add nutrition coaching to their membership. And we see a lot of commonalities in the uh, the conversations that we have, and uh, we see a lot of similarities in what people are doing, kind of what they what they think um, they need to be doing, and and kind of the differences and all those types of things. So, um, we thought this would be a good discussion and very insightful for you guys to kind of to maybe uh, uh, glean a few things that can help you in your fitness journey. Glean. Yeah, good word. Yeah, uh, uh, a vocabulary word of the day. We, I mean, one of the things we're really trying hard to do is help people uh, understand what they're doing when they start. And when the journey becomes clear, you can make a decision whether or not you want to invest in this or not, whether we're a good fit. I think one of the misconceptions about the fitness industry is that anyone that walks in the door is going to be a good fit. And we are not, we don't want every single person who is in the community to be a, a part of the gym because um, we have values that uh, are important to us, that are important to the community, that are important to our mission and what we're doing. And um, certain people don't fit those values. But ultimately, it's it's usually not a value thing. It's more or less just is is this person clear on what it is that we're we're able to do for them and can we meet their needs so one of the big things that we do at at our gym that i think is a separator for us is asking the question not telling people what we do and seeing if it's a good fit but asking the question what is it that you're looking for if we can identify what it is that that person's looking for we can tell them if we can do it or not most of the time, um, I think that we are able to do that because we do have a diverse offering, uh, but sometimes it's not the case. And so we, we really want to want people to understand we are here for them. We are not here to tell them, oh, this is what CrossFit is. Uh, you can work your way towards being good at CrossFit or it may not be a good fit. It's more, what do you want out of your fitness? What is it that you want to change? What is it that you want to accomplish what do you want your 80-year-old self to look back over your lifetime and and see when it comes to your health? And if we're a good fit for that person, then both groups are aligned. And I think that's when people are, are uh, they get the most for their investment. I think overall, uh, grand sweeping, the biggest change that Coyote has made um, in the 10 years we've been open is... Um, going from trying to fit everybody into one mold of working out style um, and the ultimate goal of being everybody being able, able to do very complex movements, get stronger, um, you know, PR everything all the time, that type of thing, to uh, offering a much broader 
uh, recommendation of training for multiple different types of people. So instead of trying to fit everybody into one particular category, we have a lot of different options and try to meet lots of different people where they are. And in order to be able to do that, we have to have a diverse offering as far as the, the workouts in class. And that's it starts there. Number two is with our coaches and being able to train them and hire great coaches who um, can work with lots of different types of people with lots of different types of goals. Um, and then after, you know, laying all that groundwork, now it is imperative for us to start that journey with people on the very first conversation when they step foot in the door and determining where they are. And so we can, you know, recommend what we think will be the most important thing for them. And so um, what do you think, you know, you have a lot of conversations with lots of different potential uh, new people. What are what are some of the the recent conversations you've had, or what are some of the commonalities that you see uh, with people who are coming in looking to join the gym? Um, you know, I think, I think honestly, like we just we just really talked about it. I think when when people come in the gym, uh, we want them to immediately know that we're here to listen to them and to be able to meet them where they're at and not assume the goal. And so for me, that's one of the things I've learned in the last year, especially is, you know, we, even with our coaches, we have accountability. We talk about how our meetings, how our tours are going, how are new clients? Um, what are the conversations like? Because, um, it's very easy to just talk about what we do. And when we start to, you know, over the past, over the past year, I think, especially when we started to put an emphasis on, um, really being the type of the type of gym that, uh, like you said, meets a broad um, array of people and different goals. When we are doing that, then we have to really we have to get better at communicating that to people. And so, I think to answer your question, a lot of the people that do come in the gym, they are um, a little bit intimidated. And so, we are trying first and foremost to bring the intimidation level down for them. Uh, and so, that's something that when you ask about their goals that can help them uh that can lower that intimidation level and can build some confidence in them in that oh i'm going to walk into this place and not be asked to do something that i'm not prepared that i'm not doing already um the second thing once we you know as we begin to lower that intimidation level i think the second thing is just to make sure uh people know that they can start today and uh, you know there's one of the biggest misconceptions with people who come in is they believe they have to come in and see if they're ready to start. And when we are able to help people see that you don't have to get ready to start, you can start right this second if you wanted to. When they understand that, it really helps them um, feel at home and it helps them see the value in what we're offering. And so that goes, that speaks to what you just said about our coaches, training our coaches to be prepared for people day one um, in their fitness journey is very different than coaching people who are two years into their fitness journey. And so rewriting the book on what is the language that we use around, um, around fitness, you know, going from, okay, our, our first workout, we're going to do lunges. We're going to do squats. All of a sudden now we're reframing that around, Hey, when we, when we do a squat, the goal is to be able to sit down and stand up without support 
we understand that most people aren't able to do that right away. And so having things out for people, having boxes out for people, not asking people to do things that assume a certain level of fitness, um, those are all things that uh, these early conversations that we're having with new people uh, to fitness that really make them feel at home. Yeah. Um, I think you hit on a couple of things that are, are typical and what a lot of people assume uh, when they step foot in the gym. And number one is I need to get in shape before I join the gym. This looks really intense. And th that's just not the case at all because, like, like we said, we meet people where they're at and we have an option for people to um, do um, uh, pretty much any variation of the workout. Um, and we, you know, our coach, we train our coaches constantly to be able to do that and to be able to jump into the class and be able to start working out after one day of, you know, a, uh, intro on-ramp class to be able to jump in and start working out with everybody else. Now they're obviously going to be going at a different pace than everybody else, but we want people to be able to jump in and start, you know, making progress towards their goals immediately as quick as possible. Um, and then the, uh, another one is people are always, you know, worried that they're going to get hurt and, Gosh, over the years, I've seen so often that people are much be, become much less likely to get hurt outside the gym because of what they're doing inside the gym, and it it just is the opposite of what people assume. And they're so worried about getting hurt that they they fail to realize that the reason that they might get hurt is because of their sedentary lifestyle and sitting at the desk all day. And they're going to be much more likely to get hurt moving a box in their garage or you know, falling down in their yard or something like that than they ever are in the gym if they're moving correctly and efficiently. Or jogging. Yeah. Jo you know, jogging, yeah. we're twice, people are twice as likely to get hurt from doing CrossFit or, or weightlifting as a sport. Their, uh, their likelihood of injury is twice as frequent for people who start jogging on the sidewalk. I, I, I tell this story a lot, but when I was in college, I, um, I had tore my labrum playing baseball and I had shoulder surgery and I spent a lot of time in physical therapy, and so you get to, to see a lots of different types of people in there, and the vast majority of people that I saw in there were either there because they were runners or because they had had a household accident. And that's, and also you go to like a, the where I had my surgery, the Mississippi Sports Medicine at the time was the only place doing it, and you see lots of people in there having surgery, and all, almost all of them had had some type of injury around the house or at work. And when you start to realize that you're much more likely to get injured by not exercising than you are from what you do inside the gym, as long as you're, you know, working with a coach who knows what they're doing and making sure you're moving safely and efficiently, which is what we spend the vast majority of our time doing, you're actually setting yourself to not get hurt. And then you have instances where we've had members who um, had a major uh car accident or they had a major fall when they were walking their dog and their doctor literally told them if you didn't have that muscle protecting yourself you would have broken bones um or really injured yourself but because of the muscle that you've worked in built up over the years you were not injured because of that and it protect you from catastrophe and so that's what we see over the years and so i just really try to convey that to as many people as possible that you are going to be much less likely to get hurt than you are um, uh, working out than you are if you don't. I ha I met with a, a group of guys about a month ago, and we started talking about the gym, and that was one of the first things they said was getting hurt. But then I started talking to them, and 
they were saying, I can't pick my arm up and my hands up, my arms up over my head without hurting my shoulder or my traps and my neck are killing me all the time. And none of them worked out at all. Yeah. And so I started talking to him and explaining to him why, um, why they were hurt. And one of them was saying he couldn't even stretch because it hurt because he couldn't get his arms into position because of stretch, uh, because his shoulders were so running forward because of the years and years of, of sitting at a desk. And so, um, you know, when you actually are start working, start working out and doing functional exercise and movement to be able to do movements correctly and undo all the years of the modern life lifestyle, um, you're going to be less likely to get hurt. So that that's one of the biggest things that we, we talk about. I just had a conversation in the car on the way here with a potential nutrition client that told me um, this is someone who's not in the exercise realm at all. And so he, he told me that he wasn't interested in lifting weights. So he was telling me a little bit about himself. He said he wasn't interested in lifting weights uh, because he has lower back pain. And it, it's literally exactly what you just said. In pain from not exercising is the reason why someone doesn't want to exercise because they're afraid they're going to get hurt because they already have the pain from not exercising um, or not lifting weights. And so it just occurred to me that I think for most people, it's just not taking the time to think about the common sense of what they said. Um, I'm afraid to lift weights because I have this pain and the pain is a result of not having strength and not having range of motion. And so it just, it, it occurred to me that I think for a lot of people, it's just taking the time to have that conversation. And so that's one of the conversations that we have, and we're not afraid to talk to people about those things and, and, and really question their beliefs about it. Because for most people, they just hadn't taken the time to think about it. Um, you know, the, uh, the reality that nutrition is a big component of a lot of the pain that comes. And so for, for a lot of us that carry, especially for as adults, you know, that tend to carry fat in their stomach, um, as they start to get heavy in their stomach, uh, their lower back is what their back is what starts to support them from not falling over when they walk, um, and so their glutes start to get overactive every step that they take because they're carrying 40, 50, 60 extra pounds, and so those muscles get locked up and it gets tight, and that's the very fear. So all of that to say, the biggest thing that we want to help people understand is that the goal doesn't have to be achieved to start. That is that doesn't make sense. But a lot of people come in thinking they have to have the goal in order to start the journey. And it, it sounds simple, but that's a real conversation that we have with people all the time. And so gyms out there, I, I doubt that there's a lot of gym owners out there listening to this. But um, for those that are they're a part of a gym um, that you don't feel like has this conversation, it is so important that your gym be a place that is not doing very obvious things that intimidate uh, people from getting started on the journey because 99% of the people in the community that haven't started at your gym um, are believe that they are not in good enough shape to do what you're doing. And so that means that the way that you're communicating to the community um, about what you do is isn't intimidating or they don't feel like you have a solution. So we've, we've recognized that and we've tried to take steps to do it. Um, that gets to like a very specific thing that we do talk about. And you asked about tours, for instance, or that first one-on-one -on -one meeting. Um, I saw another post about this, uh, especially this is kind of for the CrossFit community, but um, everyone knows that movements have standards that are met and the standards are goals for people. I literally watched you talking to uh, a young kid about keeping his squats above parallel because he does not have the mo the mobility to go safely below parallel in a squat with a weight on his back. 
because of what his back was looking like to get into that position. So until the hips are able to open, until the ankles are mobile enough to get to that position, it is vital that he knows that it is okay. But a lot of the CrossFit community is is tied around standards and reps and all these things that if you really, you know, if you really think about it, they're just they're they're long-term goals. The goal is to do the movement at a certain way, but most people aren't able to do that when they walk in the gym. So if you don't have a place where they're welcome to come in and know that, um, you know, all right, we're going to start our squat right there. We're going to start our lunge with a smaller step. Uh, I think that that really helps. um, It really helps people uh, feel confident to get started as opposed to um, this, this misinterpreted belief that you have to be at the goal in order to start. Yeah, and and that is one of the the negatives of you know the the rise of competition so quickly in CrossFit specifically was the standards that are needed when you were competing, but then they were applied to a regular class setting, and um, you know if people are not squatting below parallel, then other people are getting frustrated about that. But it's they might not be squatting below parallel because they don't have the mobility to be able to get to that point yet. And that's completely fine. And there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously we would like for them to work over time to improve their mobility so they can squat below parallel. But there are times when somebody squatting below parallel is unsafe because they don't have the range of motion in their hips and the strength, uh, the flexibility in their hamstrings to be able to do it and keep their uh, low back and lumbar curve engaged. And we talk about that with our coaches a lot. And so that's part of being a, a uh, a great coach is being able to see no I want you to stop above parallel for now on your squats until you can get to that point to where you can move uh, move get that full range of motion safely and so you know these these standards what that are applied to sport do not need to be applied to everyday fitness inside the gym and so learning that is a is a big thing one thing I want to touch on before I think we can move on to nu- nutrition coaching um, is uh, the uh, the sweat track that we have. Um, really addresses a lot of people's concern for being injured in that we now have an opportunity for people to come into a class every single day and never touch a barbell. They can always do dumbbell movements, um, and they can always do um, accessory strength dumbbell movements and single arm, single leg work um, as opposed to barbell work. And we and they also are, can come in without ever getting on the rig and hanging from the rig, um, which allows people to um, have the peace of mind of being able to come to the gym without doing the, the movements that they are in their mind, which we know is, is, uh, you know, not true, but in their mind, they feel will hurt them. They, they could potentially get hurt. And so we, we kind of bridge that gap and allow people to come in and do that. Um, and that way they can jump in and start working toward their goals immediately. And what we've seen is the people that come in and say, I don't want to do the barbell stuff. I want to do the dumbbell after a while, they start seeing other people do barbell stuff, and they want to start doing it too because it's really fun, and it, it can it's a really uh, great uh, process to be able to start lifting barbell and putting on muscle and getting stronger and setting PRs and that type of thing. But it, some, for some people, it takes a while to be able to work up to that to that point to where they want to do that. But we do have that option, which allows us to work with people who have never touched lifted weights in their life, and we can have them lift dumbbells for a very long period of time to be able to get them into the door and be able to start working towards their fitness goals uh, immediately, which is something that is very important to us. All right, so let's move on to uh, nutrition, to nutrition coaching. You have lots of initial consultations with people with nutrition coaching, and I'm sure you see lots of commonalities and similarity, similarities and questions that they have. So what are, what are some of the things that you see pretty consistently when you're, when you're talking with somebody who wants to start, uh, 
you know, taking control of their diet. The, the biggest thing we try to talk about is what is the goal and what is the reason why you feel like you need to change? Um, oftentimes I think people, um, people don't quite realize the depth of how much their body composition affects them day to day. And that could be not understanding how much physical therapy they're avoiding in the next 10 years of continuing to put on weight or continuing to walk around with 40 extra pounds on your knees and your hips and your feet. But it, so that's like a very simple, easy to picture. But um, again, just having a conversation today already with someone who began to describe um, being a certain age and looking 20 years older. People mistaking, you know, this is something that has happened in the gym before, but people have been mistaken for being in their 50s when they're in their late 30s. Uh, so those types of conversations, um, we just give people an opportunity to share. Of course, we don't, you know, ask that question, but we open the open the door to letting people dig into that and really asking those those deeper, why do you want to do this? Well, what is it about that that you feel like you want to change? Well, how does that make you feel? Those counseling type questions are really what help people see the value of what we're offering. So yes, it's for sales because we want people to understand what we're doing, but um, the, the, the sale is not lose 10 pounds because you lose 10 pounds. The sale is, you know, lose 10 pounds because you look in the mirror every day and have a certain feeling or you don't feel as confident um, when you don't have your clothes on or you don't feel as confident in your bathing suit or in your work attire. Um, you know, people are very open about what it is that they want. And when they really take time to dig into it, um, it helps not only me as a coach be able to uh, confidently give them a solution and tell them that we can find a solution to that, but it gives them hope um, and it gives them that extra uh, motivation as time goes on because they know they're working towards something. So what I generally have people do is, is tell me um, what it is that they want. And then I just take the, take the time to ask them what it is about that, that they've noticed, or, you know, another way to think about it is what is the pain that you're trying to solve for? Uh, and then we're trying to make that pain as large as possible. We want them to dig into that pain because the pain is affecting what it, what it is that they want is affecting. It's in their brain every day probably dozens and dozens of time a day they're thinking about it whether it's riding in the car and not feeling comfortable um you know i i myself it sounds it sounds crazy but i have um been motivated by sitting in the car and feeling like oh man i've let myself you know i put on a couple pounds like i need to really i need to change this or um you know it could be putting on putting on a certain pair of clothes. This is very common for people to tell me that they put on something that they expected to be able to wear a certain way and it just didn't fit that way. And so we give people an opportunity to share that and um, it really helps them be motivated because when we talk about food, comfort is why most people choose the foods that they eat, um, but it's very short-lived. It is 10 to 20 minutes. And so the 10 to 20 minutes of enjoyment is not in any way worth losing or, or going through that pain that they're experiencing, those feelings about their, their body composition. And so it's as simple as just like having the conversation and comparing those two things. When you do that, people are like, yep, let's do it. I'm in. I'm motivated. I'm going to make the commitment. 
I'm going to change I'm going to change what I'm eating and then I begin the journey of then stepping in and talking about food. The pain the pain is so important because we're only we will only change when the pain of change is less than the pain of staying the same or to to say it another way the pain of staying the same has to be greater than pain of change because change is hard. It's not fun. No, nobody likes change, but we are not going to change until um, the pain of staying the same is too great for us not to change. And so people have to get to that point and everybody has different thresholds for that um, and different levels of, you know, pain tolerance in whatever area it is. But if it is, uh, losing weight is the goal. Somebody is not going to lose the weight until staying the same is too painful for them. And they have to, to change because they're going to have to make lots of different changes. They're going to have to, a lot of people are going to have to, uh, make the financial, uh, commitment to hire a nutrition coach. They're going to have to, uh, make the, the, uh, you know, have the painful trip of going to the grocery store and well what am I going to buy now I'm so used to buying all this other stuff and I'm I'm changing uh you know I'm, I'm completely changing what I buy I remember vividly um at one point when I wanted to to try a uh, a, a completely new diet and start um eating super clean and going to the grocery store and I was like I'm gonna start tomorrow and then looking around and be like I have no idea what to buy and like feeling super overwhelmed in that moment of being at the grocery store and like I don't know what I need to buy because I'm so used to buying all this junk and I want to eat clean and healthy. And I kind of started figuring it, you know, I started going around and trying to buy some stuff. And then after about three or four weeks, I had kind of figured it out and got in a routine. But, you know, that initial process of completely changing what your day to day looks like as far as nutrition is very painful. And you're only going to do that if you feel if you're so, if you get to the point where I'm so tired of looking in the mirror, I'm so tired of getting on the scale, I'm so, I'm so tired of not being able to fit into these clothes. And so a great coach can be able to draw that pain out of the person and say, well, what's going to happen if you don't change? Where are you going to be in five years? You've been putting on on average 10 pounds a year for the last five years. What's going to what's five more years of that of that going to do? That's 50 pounds in five years. Where are you going to look? Where are you going to be? You, you said that you, you told me that you are 37 years old, but you look like you're 50. Uh, where, where are you going to look like when you're 42? You know, and we, we know as coaches that, that what is depicted on the, our outside is a, a reflection of what's going on inside. And so if we look older on the outside, that means our insides are also older. And so that means we're lower, we have a lower life expectancy. We're probably not going to live as long. And, you know, that's grim and drastic, but it's true. And if we can convey to people and tell them the hard truths that um, if you look younger and more vibrant and healthy on the outside, you're also younger and vibrant, more healthy on the inside, which is going to directly impact how long you live and how less likely you are to get sick and all those types of things. So um, expanding that pain so people can understand the direction they're headed. Because we see ourselves every single day, it's hard for us to see the changes um, that have happened over the, over the past couple of years. And if we can expand the, expand the changes that have happened and the direction we're headed and um, show the, the member where, where, what's going, what it's going to look like in five, ten years if they don't make a change, then all of a sudden we can say, hey, this is a lot bigger deal than you realize. We always talk about the future, and that's that's what's so important in the right now is to is to also bring in the obvious of what if you don't do anything? What is what do you, what is next year on this day going to look like? What is Memorial Weekend going to look like next year if you continue at the same trajectory or if you don't act? You're probably going to be more frustrated, or you're going to be more um, more 
down in general for, you know, for an entire year, you're going to go through another cycle of having these conversations. And so bringing in the future and then even, you know, it's not always like, what is it going to be 30 years from now? It can be as simple as, you know, what is it? Because most of the time people come in with a goal of what they were like a few years ago. And so helping people see that like the future is important to think about in how you make a decision for today. Most of the decisions that we make financially um, are, are about the future. You know, we, we are always taught to think about the future when it comes to planning and, you know, family. And, and so we just, it's important to talk about the future. I heard one, um, I heard one uh, example that a coach did this with a client who it was on a podcast and he was talking with someone and he said, uh, for a lot of people, they are, um, they, they have their own limits set. Um, what we're trying to do with coaching is just change the, change their normal you have a normal. So someone that comes to us and they have uh, 50 pounds to lose, they don't, they don't weigh 400 pounds. You know, they, they weigh 200 pounds, 220 pounds, let's say. They don't weigh 400. So they don't have habits that are going to lead to 400 pounds. They, are, um, they still have a limit. They don't eat 5,000 calories a day. They eat 3,000 calories a day. And so everyone has it within them to set limits. It's just about resetting that a little bit lower than what it was. So with nutrition, we want people to, a lot of times people come in with a very fatalistic kind of mindset to say, I just don't have any idea what to do. I don't feel like I'm in control. Well, we're just, we're in a little bit of control. Um, it's just, they, they have set the bar at a certain level that has led to them. And all we're trying to do is just lower that bar a little bit and default and help people reset to a new normal and a new expectation. And the hard work is in the beginning, but once you get to that point, then the new expectation is four hours of exercise a week or the new level of expectation is I'm going to eat, you know, um, I'm going to eat 2,200 calories, not 2,500 calories. Um, and so what we're trying to do is just get people to measure out what does the future look like um, to also acknowledge that they're a lot closer than they think. It's just a few steps away. And then um, when people can measure up the pain with uh, the step that's right in front of them, oftentimes they're going to be really, really happy with the result that they get. That's really good. And, you know, we've seen over over the 10 plus years of Coyote that the initial conversation with members sets the tone of their whole time at Coyote. And the better we can be about, you know, having a good conversation, setting their helping them set expectations, helping them set set them up to succeed. um, They're going to be much more likely to succeed and, and make the progress that they wanted to. And so that's something we're always trying to work and get better at is having conversations with potential members, potential nutrition clients help them really understand where they're at and where they're headed if they don't make a change and really try to give them the best solution that we think can help them get to where they want to be and um, as quickly as possible. And so um, that's something we're always trying to work at and trying to train our, our, our coaches and our new coaches to be able to do a better job of that. So that was a really good discussion. I hope that is helpful for you guys. Hopefully you can apply that to yourself no matter what point of uh, you are in your health and fitness journey. And we know that health and fitness is just a part of life. It is something that, um, you know, you're always going to be eating. You're either going to be maintaining or gaining or losing weight. You're either going to be maintaining, gaining, or losing muscle, whether you're going to the gym or not. That's just part of life. And so the the better we can do at getting a hold of, uh, getting control of our own health and fitness, the the much more, um, the much better our life is going to be. So mm-hmm. um, with that, let's move on to the next segment. Outside the box. So we, um, you know. 
What you got going on, Caleb? <laughs> we need. Always. We, we need always more, need. We need, uh, we need, we need a, uh, a a tag a uh, a third party in for this. I was literally having this conversation uh, yesterday with Keaton. I was like, "Man, I don't do anything. I'm, my life is really boring outside the gym. I go home and and I go for a walk with my wife. We eat dinner and uh, we watch TV and we play with the dogs. And on the weekend." That's pretty much it, unless we're going out of town. So we don't have a ton, ton going on. We did talk uh, today about we need to get out by the pool some this weekend and um, start getting uh, in sun shape so we don't get burned when we go to the D- D- Dominican Republic at the end of the month. So we're probably going to start working on, uh, you know, working on a tan a little bit and I, uh, getting, getting, getting ready for that. I tried to tell everyone a couple of weeks ago on the on one of our episodes about the. Uh, the sun was going to be my activity mm-hmm. outside of the gym. But I think this is probably, I mean, I think there's people that can relate to this. If you're listening to a podcast, it means you're not just listening to music and going on your day. You're finding something that hopefully is educational. Um, I mean, you talk about it a lot. We read. Um, I, I sometimes watch TV just for me to not think as much. It's, it's just a break mentally. Um, that's really what I use TV for is just a way to be inside, to be cool, to be rested, to get off my feet because we're on our feet a lot and we're engaging with people a lot for our job. I think it's a little different if you're sitting, you know, if you're sitting behind a computer or you're on zoom all day, or you have meetings, um, throughout the day and you don't see the sun, but man, we're outside, we're active, we're moving weights around. Like I'm literally lifting things and talking to people for 10 hours, 11 hours a day. And it is awesome to be able to recharge and to be alone and not feel like I've got to be in a social environment. However, I do still love that. And I love that. Uh, so I try to look for opportunities to do that on the weekend, but yeah, we're just in a, we're just in a time where I think we love to work and we love to be at the gym and we love to do gym things. We love to, you know, we're writing manuals. I'm rewriting our coach's manual right now. Um, our Caleb nu- loves doing our that. nutrition coaching manual he lives for manuals. Um, we're like, you know, we're doing graphic design things for, for our coaches. Um, and so anyway, that's, that's kind of boring to y'all, but maybe for those of you that are in that stage, like, uh, you know, we're not, I'm not going to lie and just think we're out doing all these adventurous things all the time. Like this is just like, I love to work. And I think it's, uh, it's really fun to be in a place where you have a job where, um, you do get away from it, but you also realize that, you know, I enjoy going to work. I'm not trying to find things to get away from work. I just love doing it. It's important to take a rest. Uh, but it's just, we're in a, we're in a good stage and we're trying to create a lot of things. And so not much going on outside the box. Here. Good. Good. Yeah, that's good. Um, everybody's like, yeah, you yeah. said that last week too. <laughs> I know. Come up with something like literally. Um, so I, you got anything to recommend? Um, yeah, I always have things to recommend. All right, what you got to recommend? Uh, Joe Rogan posted about this. Maybe people saw it, but there's a, a show called Chimp Empire um, that it was really, really cool. To, full disclosure, I did not watch the whole thing. Once you get into it, it's like, all right, this is the same stuff. But um, I, I think that I think it's 98% of our DNA is shared by chimps. Um, watching, watching animals do human-like things is very intriguing and so it was fascinating there's a group of scientists that have spent 30 years watching this one community of chimps in uganda Uh, that was another thing having lived there and spent a significant amount of time uh 
in Uganda and especially in pretty rural areas. Uh, it was really like that also had a little sentimental, sentimental value to me. Uh, but watching the way that they've studied, also appreciating that these scientists have, have watched and studied this group of uh, animals for 30 years, they were able to provide a lot of insights. And so it was really cool, just the hierarchy, how they, you know, they essentially not vote, obviously, but like they have their own way of um, moving up the chain of command, moving down the chain of command, watching, you know, them care for their young, but also be pretty ruthless. It's just a really cool story. And so um, on Netflix, which I we just canceled for the first time in seven years. Oh, no. I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. Wow. It Netflix wasn't offering a lot. They did offer Chimp Empire. So if you're still in it, uh, check it out. Cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> Chimp Empire. I like it. Well, I recommended rice last I might, week. I might so. check it out. I might check it out. All right. So uh, I'm going to recommend a book. So uh, I'm, I love uh, Roman history. It, uh, my brother and I talk about it a lot. And it's kind of a running joke that my brother will always bring up the Roman history at uh, family gatherings. And uh, he always finds a way to work it into conversation because he's gotten really big into it. But I love it as well. It's just fascinating to me. And um, um it's uh, very complicated, very complex. It's multiple de- uh, millennia of, you know, multiple thousands of years that it spans. But the, uh, you know, the time of Julius Caesar and uh, the first and second triumvirate and, and the fall of the Republic, all that type, type of stuff. It's very fascinating. Lots of go- lots going on, very documented. And uh, so I always like to read stuff about that. But I read a book called Cicero, uh, which was by Anthony Everett. Uh, and so uh Ryan Holiday to recommended Anthony Everett books uh, for anybody who wanted to learn about Roman history. And he's a very good writer. He takes a very complex and complicated time and makes it about as easy to follow as, as it can be. And uh, it's a biography of Cicero who lived through all that um, going on, goings on. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I read it on the plane while we were flying uh, to, to Pasadena and, and I finished it while we were there. And it was a really, really good book, and I'm going to read um, some of the other uh, biographies that he wrote as well. But this is the first one I started with, and it kind of starts with, you know, the couple hundred years leading up to that time period, and all the way through till uh, till Cicero uh, died. So it was a it was a fascinating book. If you're interested in Roman history at all, in 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 the uh, the fall of the Roman Republic, um, it was around you know he lived around 50 BC. Um, so check it out. You can never make fun of me for recommending rice. No. Or sparkling water. I think uh, biographies on ancient Roman history are more interesting than rice. But Gra- Grab yourself a <laughs> cup, of, cup of rice and dig into uh, some Roman history. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. silky smooth sounds.